The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. We're glad that you're listening with us today, and uh, thank you so much for putting your comments on Facebook. You can find us at the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook, and also thanks for emailing us your uh, comments. And we're so glad that you're letting people in your spiritual community, in your unity community, in any of your spiritual communities, your recovery community, know about us here at Spirit of Recovery. It's great to be reaching out and broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality here on Unity Online Radio, unity.fm. And uh, we know that you know that you can listen to us now in a variety of ways. You can listen to us live, obviously, through your computer. You can listen via your smartphone, and you can listen to archives anytime by going to www.unity.fm backslash program backslash spirit of recovery. And so our archived programs are available to you 24 hours a day. And every week we've got great guests. We've got topics that are important to the recovery community. We've got guests who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable and innovative. And the guests that we have here on Spirit of Recovery are people who are either in recovery themselves or people who work with or write for or teach uh, recovering people in some way. And a lot of times, as we know in the recovery community, all of the above. And our guests uh, always are bringing you practical information, insights, new ideas, thoughts, depth, lots of things that can get you thinking and get you uh, open up to some new ideas, some new depths, some new avenues in your own recovery or just understanding a little bit about the recovery process if it's something that you're not involved in. We do want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. We understand that recovery is a large tent and uh, covers a lot of ground and so we welcome you we welcome you as a listener as a commenter if you want to email in a comment or call in with a comment or question you're welcome uh if whether you're in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or a friend that's in your own recovery as a family member or a family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction whether or not uh, they're in recovery or if you're just curious about the recovery process um, looking for information or you just want to learn a little more about it we're glad that you're with us glad that you're listening today Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister. I'm also a recovery counselor. And I also am a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of my own personal growth and involvement in the recovery process uh, as a family member and a friend of those with the disease of addiction. So my uh, walk continues to be an integration of unity, spiritual principles, recovery principles, and that keeps transforming my life, and it keeps me growing and learning on a daily basis. 
I'm delighted to have the opportunity to share with you about recovery and about spirituality, to bring you great guests, and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and your recovery walk. Today, our program is Recovery, Soul Work Required, and we're going to be looking at the idea of how recovery requires us to venture deep inside of ourselves. We're actually going to have to find and touch our soul, and we realize soul can mean different things to different people, but we know that one way or the other, we've got to find our sense of self, we've got to find that relationship with our higher power so that we're shifting out of a fear base into a a base of uh, centering our lives around that relationship with a loving and a gracious higher power by whatever name or whatever understanding we have of that. And our guest today is uh, Father Bill W. He celebrates 40 years of his own personal recovery. He also is the chair of Recovery Ministries for the Episcopal Diocese of Texas. And Father Bill uh, has been a recovery and a family therapist. He's in, I'm going to say, semi-retirement at this point, but he's been very involved also professionally. He's been a a CEO of a treatment center, and he has been involved in all aspects, of course, then personally and professionally um, as a uh, in this process of recovery and spiritual growth. He also is an ordained Episcopal priest. And he brings, of course, lots of riches from that discipline and that uh, faith community. Father Bill uh, has given many seminars and done lots of speaking and work uh, across the years and across the country. He uh, has uh, been a regular contributor to uh, in a monthly column for Recovery Today, which is a publication of the Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies. And he's taking a breather from that now. Um, but he has, you can look in the back issues and find lots of uh, things that he's written. And also, uh, he's just glad to be with us today. So, welcome, Father Bill. We're glad you're here. Thank you, Anna. It's good to be with you. Yeah. Now, uh, I know you've written many articles, but the one that really caught my attention was this one that you wrote in the July issue of Recovery Today, the, the newsletter. It just just grabbed me because you're talking about things that are dear to my heart, and that is about the depth of uh, work and the intimacy that's required with our higher power. What got you interested in that kind of depth of spirituality? Well, um, I got into recovery myself uh, back in 1972, and I I would say that I kind of did the traditional uh, 12-step AA thing, uh, and I was serious about it. I was... uh, uh, I mean, I was no slouch when it, when it came to working the steps and, and the program and that, and that good stuff. But something, something was still missing. And that something uh, was exactly what you're talking about, the intimacy piece with God. And a transformation, my own transformation came about, it's funny, like 20 years sober, and now I'm coming up on 40. So it was just about 20 years ago. <clears throat> and I, um, uh, I had hit a wall. And I knew that another, uh, oh, 90 meetings in 90 days or another trip through the 12 steps simply was not going to get it for me. I needed something deeper. And that was when a series of events uh, kind of opened up for me that, uh, that really, really kind of, I think when you're ready, God, God meets you and uh, leads you to the people that uh, you need to, uh, to encounter. So uh, I met uh, I met a fellow out in West Texas who uh, taught me about the nature of spiritual institutions, and he uh, can can I tell a brief story? It's, uh, sure, please it's okay. do, please yeah. do. It was one of the best stories I've ever heard. And uh, I told the fellow what was going on with me. Actually, he was a unity minister uh, himself and in recovery, and we went out to dinner. And I said, okay, I've hit this wall, and I don't know what's going on. And he asked if I had heard the story of the five M's, and it's the story of spiritual institutions and what happens to them. And the first M is, it stands for the man, and it could be Jesus or Buddha, or it could be Bill Wilson. And that man has a transforming experience, a transcendent experience is better, 
God touches him, God touches his soul in some way. Uh, for Jesus, it's the story into, uh, into the Jordan, and he comes up, and the sky opens, and the voice is there, this is my beloved, listen to him. For Buddha, it's sitting under the tree. For Bill Wilson, it's the fourth time in detox, and he has his white light experience. So the man comes back from that encounter with the message. And the message is who we are, who we really, really, really are inside. God's children, connected to God, more so than we could ever imagine. Uh, Big Book says the great reality is within, and you've got to go within to touch it, right? So, uh, so that's the message, who we are, uh, our true self. And then the, uh, the movement is the third M, because people are attracted to that. Once so, somebody starts telling people who they are, you know, people start to come alive. So uh, you have Jesus and, uh, and the disciples, you have Buddha and his monks, you have Bill Wilson and the theoretical first 100 people uh, who were attracted to the program, and they, they began to change. Uh, but then, so that's the movement, and the fourth M is when they try to organize the thing. And so they bring in the attorneys, and they start writing down the rules, and it gets, it gets, it, it gets tight, all right? They start to grind out the spirituality. And um, so if you're not careful, uh, you, can, you can get, um, you know, rules and regulations, and you're in if you do this, and you're out if you do that, and you've got to be this, and you've got to say that, and, uh, and it's very organized. And so uh, we get the church, you know, with all of its structure, and we get uh, the central office in New York, which writes you letters if you step out of line, <laughs> you know. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure the Buddhists have uh, have have something something too, uh, but it sort of grinds out the message. And then the fifth M is the mausoleum, because the spirit is dead. And I've been in dead churches, and I've been in dead AA meetings, and uh, I've been in dead treatment centers where they have lost what what the transformational peace is really all about. And I don't know that you can grind it out. I think it's an invitation that is extended to people, and you've got to kind of go there on the journey. And, and i tell you the true story. I, I was up in, uh, in uh, well, I'll say Midwestern City. I won't, I won't name them. Uh, but I went to an AA meeting in a clubhouse, and there was a woman playing solitaire. And uh, was, I was going to the 5 o'clock meeting, and she was peeling out the cards. And I got there a few minutes early. <clears throat> and uh, I swear to God, six or seven other people came in, and she kept dealing the cards and said, Hi, everybody. My name is Mary, and I was an alcoholic, and I'm going to be your leader for this evening. And she kept dealing the cards. Hmm. And I said, Oh, my God, the machine is here. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have a meeting because Mary's going to make sure that nobody meets. Mm-hmm. And I've been in, you know, AA conferences where people tell canned stories uh, that uh, that the message is uh, is drained out. And then I've been in uh, in AA meetings where the life and God are just running strong. So. Uh, I think you and many of your listeners know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, that was I'm what sure. kind of got me going. Right, that's good. Yeah. So, but then so what, happened, did, what happened was, was then I got into the Oxford group. I met a guy in Oklahoma City. Uh, Earl Husband was his name, and he uh, he he opened that door for me of uh, of what AA was like in the period from 1935 when it started, to 1939, when the big book came out. And it was a very different program. It was the Oxford Group program. It was a deeply spiritual program. And, uh, and, he, and he introduced me to all of that literature. And it was like I'm hearing the steps for the first time in, uh, in a different language. You know what I mean? 
yeah, yeah. So there's step three. There's step eight and nine. Oh, my God. There's And, and what I came away from, I studied that then for uh, a number of years, and what I came away from with my studies was that the, the center of the transformation process was what we now call the 11th step. But, but, but it's not the way we practice it today. So I began to study how did they practice it. And that's what opened, opened me up to actually my own transformation. What did you do? Yeah, tell us what did well, you do. Well, I studied everything I could find on the Oxford Group. I got tell books. us a little bit about Oxford Group, because probably not everybody knows what that is. Okay. Well, it's actually where AA came from. So, uh, so uh, it goes back to a fellow by the name of Frank Bookman. And Bookman was a, a, uh, a uh, Lutheran minister, and he was working in, he's from Pennsylvania, working in a, in a home for young men in, uh, in Philadelphia. And um, he has a fight one night with his board of directors. The board of directors meets, the finance committee meets, and they say, Frank, you're spending too much money on the food bill for these guys. See, the, the institution, the machine, was not happy with that. <laughs> so we want you to cut back. Well, Frank had a, uh, a huge ego, uh, not unlike Bill Wilson, uh, not unlike me. You know, I can identify. And so he, uh, he got angry with the board, and he quit his job. And when he quit his job, he was also codependent, so he borrowed money from his parents, and he, we went on a tour of Europe. And as he traveled uh, to the different countries, what he experienced was this. To the degree that he was angry and cut off in his relationship with the six men on his board of directors, to that same degree he was cut off from his relationship with God. He made the connection. He did the math. He got it. And then he went to a, a conference in uh, Keswick, England. That's where he was, he was heading. And a woman told a story. She, she preached a sermon. Uh, Jessie Penn Lewis was her name. And I think there were about 15, 17 people in the church. And she talked about the cross. And she talked about, about uh, sin. And she talked about separation. And he said, she didn't say one word that I hadn't heard before. But somehow, at that moment, he got it. He had his transformational experience. Uh, and he used to say, when he used to talk about sin, and he would write it this way. He would write small s, s, and then a great big I in the middle, and then N. So sin is the big I. Sin is, is when the ego separates me from God. And he said what, what happened to him was, through the power of the cross, you take a, take a big pencil or paintbrush even, and you, you know, strike it across the eye. And what do you get? You get the cross. Hmm. You get the cross. And, and, and that changed him. And then he started changing people. And, uh, and, and he got people to surrender. He got people to do an experiment, uh, which really became our second step. Uh, is it possible? You've got a problem you can't solve. Is it possible there could be a God who could solve it? Ain't saying there is, but is it just theoretically possible? And if it's possible, <clears throat> then they'd go on with the process. And the process was, all right, now we're going to, Clean out from your life all of the stuff that's separating you from God. What is it? It's time and for our break. Well, yeah. come right back. Hold that thought. We're talking to Father Bill W. Our topic is recovery, soul work required. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. From on the air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? An early winter. With all the things you love to do Hey, hey, treat yourself to more A little more summer, a little more sun A little less work and a lot more fun A little more beach, a little more sand A little less stress and a lot more pain Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more be. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad that you're listening with us today. If you're just joining us, our topic is recovery, soul work required. And my guest is Father Bill W. We're talking about the idea that recovery does require us to go deep, to look into our very souls, to find that intimate relationship with our loving higher power. And uh, Father Bill is an Episcopal priest. He is has 40 years of recovery himself, and he is the chair of Recovery Ministries for the Episcopal Diocese of Texas. He also has uh, is in semi-retirement um, as a recovery and family therapist, and he has been an executive uh, in treatment centers. So he's certainly uh, able to talk with us about this important topic today, and the most important topic is about how he has created that intimate relationship with his higher power. Before I resume my conversation with Father Bill, I invite you to join me for a brief moment of peace, a very brief moment here of relaxation, a moment to open up our hearts and our minds to that presence of our higher power. So I invite you to relax and share with me this constructive idea. I know that my higher power is here with me and within me. I feel the love. 
I know that my higher power is here with me and within me. I feel the love. Thank you, friends, for joining me in that Serenity Minute. And I know that uh, in your recovery walk, in your spiritual walk, that uh, you take time every day to make that conscious contact, that 11th step. So, Bill, thank you again for being with us. Glad you're here. My pleasure. And before the break, you were talking with us about the Oxford Group and about um, the importance of how they did. Then this was the early group that was a precursor of Alcoholics Anonymous um, right. and how this group really was uh, focused on the idea of prayer and meditation, which became the Alcoholics Anonymous 11th step. So yeah. tell us some more about how, how the Oxford Group did this, the early the early beginnings well, of that group. Yeah, the, they, uh, there, were, there were four principles that they adhered to very, very strongly. Uh, they called them the four absolutes. Uh, they were honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love. And they were actually uh, from a book by uh, Robert Speer, uh, who is a Presbyterian uh, uh, scholar, and he he distilled the life of Jesus, particularly the Sermon on the Mount, and said, this is the personality of Jesus. These are the attributes of Jesus. So if you want to have the Christ mind, all right, then you, are, you need to be honest, pure, unselfish, and loving. So where, so a new person coming into the Oxford group like Bill Wilson or Dr. Bob, uh, they didn't have steps, but they had these four absolutes that they needed to adhere to. And so when they did an inventory, what became step four, they looked for where were they not being honest, pure, unselfish, or loving. All right? And then they would share that with another person, and that other person would share where they had been like that as well. That became the fifth step. Six and seven, uh, Wilson was once asked, where did you put the four absolutes? He said, I put them in six and seven. We were entirely ready to have God remove the defects of character, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. That's, you see, when people learn that those are the absolutes, then those two steps start to come alive and make sense. Eight and nine, you made amends, and that was what they did. And Dr. Bob didn't get sober until he went around uh, on June 10th and, and, you know, made the amends. That's, uh, that was really the date that, uh, that that happened. But then what they did, uh, and this became steps 10 and 11, they, can, they always looked, where are you in your daily walk uh, with these absolutes? And, and they believed if you were trying to lead a Christ-centered and guided life, hang on to your chairs, God would speak to you. That was their belief. Now, it gets translated in step 11 to conscious contact. So through prayer and meditation, to improve our conscious contact with God, to bring into consciousness uh, God's Word. And they would read Scripture, and uh, and they would they would they would pray. They would ask for needs uh, met to be met, but then uh, they would take out a notebook, and they would begin to listen for the voice of God, and they would pour pour their problems out on the page, and then listen for His response and seek guidance as to what they should do. Should they call someone? Should they make a change in their life? And they would write this down. And they would check what they wrote on the basis of, well, is it pure, honest, loving, unselfish? And if they still had questions, if it isn't, throw it out. It's not from God. Can't be. All right? <laughs> but if it is, maybe you're on to something. And if you still had further questions, you might, you, they would encourage you to check it with another person who was listening to God. And, and when they got together in their meetings, that is actually what they would do. They would, they would be silent and write and then share 
the results that came from that. Just a two, three-minute uh, quiet time. They have them during the day. Well, I started doing that, you know, and, and it sounded a little wacky at first. And I would write some stuff, and I'd uh, put it on a piece of paper, and I'd crumple it up and throw it in the trash, and my wife didn't see me and, you know, send me to the state hospital or something. You know? But uh, as I began getting more comfortable with myself and uh, and and teaching this material and watching other people do it, you find a voice inside. Now, addicts know they have a voice inside. So, I mean, we got to step ahead in this deal. You know, we got a voice that encourages us to go back to our addictions. Come on, take a drink. It isn't going to hurt you. We, we, we've all got those kinds of voices, all right? But there's another voice, and that voice is the voice of God, they believe. And, uh, and if you would begin to write this down... Uh, you you would come to to find God, and you would come to find what God's plan is for you. What what does He need from you? What is He asking you to do? And that's you know I started doing that. There was a treatment center in trouble here in in uh, Austin, and I had guidance to send my resume in. You know I've got uh, twenty years in the field, and uh, I see you're in trouble. And then they're making the head, headline, the front page of the of the newspaper. There's a scandal. And I said, if I can be on the board or something, uh, I, I'm willing to help. And that's how I wound up uh, running the treatment center was, uh, was through that. Mm-hmm. So you get guidance. You get guidance. And even and, and, and parts of this are still in the big book. It says, uh, you know, we will intuitively know. It says, it says uh, we may even do foolish things when we first start this process because our, we're not used to it. You see? But that, that, was, that was the secret. That was the secret. And that was the thing that changed people. It wasn't the meetings. It wasn't your sponsor. It was God through conscious contact. And then people leading God-guided lives. And that's what Bookman believed was going to change the world. But Wilson wasn't interested in changing the world. He was only interested in changing alcoholics. So he took the principles of the Oxford group, and he wrote them down into steps. And, uh, and he said steps 2 through 11. He got through Sam Shoemaker, an Episcopal priest who was his sort of spiritual mentor, head of Calvary Church in, in New York City, and uh, the, really the leader of the Oxford group in the United States. So he got to know Shoemaker, and Shoemaker educated him on that. And that's where he got, he got the steps. The steps are not new. Yeah, they are. They are straight out of the Oxford Group, and uh, but what AA did was, um, you know, wrote them down into a formula. So when the big book came, comes out in 1939, uh, Wilson says, "Here are the steps we took." Well, that's not true. The first 100 did not take those steps because there were no steps. There was only a process. Uh, but he knew the process. Mm-hmm. And I'm not against the steps, but what I am against is the mechanization of the steps. I am against people who do them mechanically, thinking, you know, that so they memorize them. And I've been in meetings where people talk about the, the meaning of the semicolon on page 84. Well, I mean, that, welcome to the Pharisees, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but the Spirit's gone. So, so that's what it did me. So what I'm interested in doing is helping people to kind of come alive again by going back and uh, finding this new, new old way of doing quiet time. And, I, you know, I thought like prayer and meditation. I've kind of tried the Buddhist thing, and I'm half ADD. And so what I say is the, the quiet time practice, the way I do it, is sort of prayer and meditation for uh, people with ADD. You don't have to silence your mind. You don't have to be still and silent and watch your little thoughts, you know, hop on a leaf and float down the river. As a matter of fact, you let your mind be as active as you want. But you're listening for the voice of God, and you are writing down the thoughts that are coming. And you're really, you know, looking at your life. You know, where is your impurity in your life? You know, 
where's your honesty in your life? And ask ask God about that. Ask Him to show you the things that are that are uh, out of whack, and then listen, honestly listen, and and write them down. So how I'm do you tell in, that? Let me ask you this, Bill. How do you yeah. how? And, and it's probably different for everybody, but how yeah. do you tell the difference between sort of the chatter thoughts and the ego thoughts, so to speak, and God's voice? Uh, What's good your question. method? Yes. Uh, some of them just sort of jump out at you, that they are, they are not the kind of typical thing that you would say. Sometimes I, I was, people who ask me a, a little variation on that theme, well, it might be the same question. Uh, how do you know that it's God's voice and not the ego's voice? How do you know it's God speaking and not yourself? And I, my answer to that is, I really don't know, but I know this. If it is myself... It's the best part of myself, Good and it's point. the part of my part of myself that I need to be listening to. You, you follow me? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't I don't get hung up. Is this God? Is this me? What I get hung up is this honest, pure, unselfish loving. If it is, then you, then you know you know then I'm I'm hearing God's voice. If I, and I don't, I don't often get things that, you know, tell me to go move to Chicago. It's not usually what you're going to get. Uh, you might, but uh, not usually. It's more like, how are you treating your wife? Mm-hmm. What, like, what, what did you say to your son the other day? Um, uh, and, and some people, some people kind of have a, you know, some people kind of have a, a voice that, that speaks in, in sentences and goes on and on, uh, kind of a la the Course in Miracles. Uh, you know, I, I know Unity, uh, and I did Course in Miracles back in the 80s. It was very helpful, very helpful for me, really loved it. Uh, uh, Helen Shookman was hearing the voice of Jesus, and her, her job was to take notes. You know, uh, mm-hmm. our job in quiet time is to not only take notes, but to do what you're guided to do. <laughs> the take action part matters. That's right. That's right. Helen said, that ain't my job. My job is just take notes. I'm a scribe, you know? Well, I, I'm not a scribe. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get in conscious contact with honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love with the, with the Christ mind. Uh, and, um, and it's changed my life. That's how I became a priest. Right. And you're well, talking about my- relationship. I mean, you're creating relationships relationship with the divine. Yeah. Relationship with the divine, and you check it by where's your relationship with the people in your life, and where's the relationship with your true self. Tell us about and that, it, and that probably has something to do with your story about how you became a priest. Well, uh, yeah, sorting out. I had problems with Jesus, all right? I really did. I mean, the, I, uh, I struggled with that. I kind of did the AA religion for 20 years. I kind of liked Jesus, uh, but uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't get over the God hump, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so what I wound up doing was I, uh, for those, after I, after I made my transformation 20 years ago, <clears throat> studied everything I could on uh, the history of the Oxford Group and what they, was, they were about, and I studied everything I could about uh, first century Christianity. Uh, so the Jesus Seminar group, uh, Marcus Bohr, John Dominic Croson, some of those writers. John Spong. Uh, John Shelby Spong. Spong, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, uh, don't be such a literalist when it comes to the scripture. You know, it, it wasn't meant to be taken that way. But what is present in Scripture is a relationship with a living God. And that's what's true in the Old Testament. Didn't God speak to people in the Old Testament? All the time. All the time. Get up and go and do this. Mm -hmm. You know? And then the prophets. You know, the book says this, but I say this. Now go tell them that. And and so this intimate relationship with God is, is coming about. But it's always sending you into the world to be a transformational agent for the people who are in there and still struggling. 
so this this change. Uh, I'd like to read a can I read a little quote from Robert Johnson? Uh, do yeah, do we are? It's almost time for our next break, but yeah, read it, and if we don't finish it, we'll finish it after the break. But go ahead. Okay, Johnson. Talk, Johnson is my he's he's, he's a Jungian uh, writer, uh, and he gets it. And this is this is this is the change. This is the transformation. He says to most people, the trans transition from three dimensional to four dimensional consciousness is exceedingly painful. It's how do you, this is how do you make the conscious contact. Medieval Christianity called it the dark night of the soul. Dante called it the journey through hell. It was 40 days and 40 nights in the desert for Jesus. It was a journey into the belly of the fish for many a hero. For a modern man, it is a midlife crisis, or worse, a nervous breakdown, or still worse, physical suicide. The process can be summed up in one sentence. Best sentence I've ever come across. Listen to this. It is the relocating of the center of the personality from the ego to a center greater than oneself. The relocating of the center of the personality from the ego to a center greater than oneself. That's powerful. It's time for our break. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. If you've tuned in for Touching the Stillness with host Reverend Paulette Pipe, then you know the power of her soul-stirring meditations. And if her programs leave you wanting more, you can purchase her meditation CD, Touching the Stillness, and you'll be able to take Paulette's calming voice along with you wherever you go. This enthralling CD contains three separate self-contained meditations that can either be listened to in one sitting or one at a time. Whatever your preference, Paulette's mesmerizing voice will transport you beyond thoughts and sounds to a sacred place of stillness and soul remembrance. So go ahead, enliven your meditation practice with the Touching the Stillness CD from Reverend Paulette Pipe and let the stillness touch you. To obtain your copy, go to www.unity.org and click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on shop. Good parenting doesn't happen by default. It's intentional. It's a decision about who you'll be and what you'll do in your family life. Join your hosts, Reverends Jennifer and Ogan Holder, each week for Unity Family Matters as they guide you on a spiritual journey, creating conscious family life. Experience the light side of parenting, realizing your divine identity while raising your children to know they are the light of God. Gain insights based on Unity principles. Talk with today's prominent experts in spiritual parenting and address your questions and comments from spiritual perspectives. Unity Family Matters. Every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're with us today, and my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your host. If you're just joining us, our topic today is recovery, soul work required, and we're talking about that concept that recovery means we got to go deep inside ourselves and uh, create that relationship, a close, intimate relationship with our higher power, and my guest today is Father Bill W. Father Bill is uh, an Episcopal priest. He has cel- is celebrating 40 
40 years of recovery himself. He's the chair of recovery ministries for the Episcopal Diocese of Texas, and he has been the president and CEO of a recovery center and is a family therapist um, and a recovery therapist and has been a columnist for quite a while for Recovery Today, which is a recovery newsletter. So before I forget it, I want to let you know that uh, Father Bill can send you a pamphlet if you would like about how the Oxford group practiced prayer and meditation. And you can email him at revbillw, R-E-V-B-I-L-L-W, at gmail.com. So if you would like to get a pamphlet mailed to you about uh, how the Oxford group, the early group that was a precursor for Alcoholics Anonymous, practiced prayer and meditation, email Father Bill at revbillw, R-E-V-B-I-L-L-W, at gmail.com, G-M-A-I-L.com, and he'll get that pamphlet to you. So, before the break, Father Bill, you were just giving us a fabulous quote by Robert Johnson, a Jungian therapist, about the real self. So, please yeah. continue. I believe there's more to that quote. Yeah, well, he, yeah, that's right. He, he, talks, he talks about the descent into hell, you know, and that's what addiction uh, leads people to. It's not the only thing that leads us there, but uh, but uh, first half of the light of life, Jung said, you know, you're building up an ego, and then in the second half of life, you have to let go of the ego. So the rules change, and it's really tough. And this is where the transformation happens. And if spirit, if if people in who are trying to get sober don't get this, they don't get sober. So uh, where I left off, I said, the quote that I love, it's the relocating of the center of the personality from the ego, from the big I, to a center greater than oneself, God, true self. He goes on, this super personal center has been variously called the self, capital S, the Christ nature, the Buddha nature, super consciousness, cosmic consciousness. Uh, This relocation appears to be death when viewed from the perspective of the ego. Oh, my God, I'm going to become the hole in the donut. You know, the Zen masters observe that Satori, their term for a non-personal center of consciousness, can be viewed by the ego as nothing but total disaster. And death it is. The ego loses its supremacy and goes to a short term of violent suffering. You've got to put your sense of humor cap on for this one. When someone threatens suicide at this time, I caution him that he must be very careful to do it without harming his body. (laughs) (laughs) The relocation of the center of the personality is a form of suicide, and it is best done by the ego. A Zen master in Los Angeles once said to one of his patients, Why don't you die now? And enjoy the rest of your life. <laughs> but it feels like you're dying when you're when you're when you're making that shift. What's going to become of me, the big I? And that's the that's the basis of the fear and the worry and the addictions. You know, and I think we're doing a lousy job in our churches of kind of making this stuff come alive. Tell us more. And not a terribly good job in some of our 12-step meetings either. (laughs) How do we make it come alive? How do we do it? I think you do it by entering into this personal relationship with God and honestly digging into your stuff. What's separating you from Him? Your fears, your guilt, your shames, uh, uh, your dishonesties. uh, how, How that ego is running your life. Um, uh, and then let me let me read. Can I, can I read you sure. one of my quiet time guidances? Uh, sure, I, thought, sure. I didn't know we really get into it. Uh, sure. This this is just from a few weeks ago. So I mean, this is it cycles down. It's, it's never like you get it and it's it's over and done with. So I'm I'm in, I'm not in a good space one day. Lord, it's time to deal with my worry, my fear. When I fill my mind with this, it shuts you out and poisons my relationships. Please guide me in the way to remove it. Jesus. Jesus is who I listen to. Jesus says, trust is everything. 
You hear me say this in the gospel. Go now. Your trust has saved you. Bill, my brother, the answer is simple. Trust me or trust yourself. Look to me or drive the bus alone. Uh, Ernie Larson had that wonderful expression, who's driving the bus? Mm -hmm. You know, is it God or is it you? Um, Jesus, is it my function to guide? It is your proper function to seek my guidance. Get oriented and rightly related each day. See the thoughts that say, this is mine, here I rule. Make today a genuine adventure in letting go. Miracles says, uh, we have no neutral thoughts. Remember this. You are in constant contact with me, growing deeper in love and trust, or you are moving away. Monitor your mind. Step 10 is vital for you. Your leash is short, for your will is strong. So that's kind of a typical day's guidance for me. Kind of checking in on my spirituality, on the, on the, on the, 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 they had an expression in, uh, in Oxford group, are you maximal today? <laughs> are you maximal? Are, are you connected? Mm-hmm. Are you really having conscious contact or is, is the, the radio being kind of, kind of growing thin? You know, Johnson talks about slender threads, the threads that connect the soul to God. You know, it's a, it's God's a hundred thousand volts. You know, it's really strong. I don't think you can't stay there all the time, but you can, you can, you can, you can get, uh, you know, you, you can, you can get that electricity. And, um, I used to get that from scotch, you see, (laughs) I kind of liked it, you know? And, uh, and I think, I think a lot of uh, addicts are misplaced mystics. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're desperately seeking the connection, but they're seeking it in the wrong place. How do you take that guidance into your day, Bill? You Okay, you get the guidance to pay attention to Jesus, pay attention to God, um, how you frame it. Right. Well, what do you do? You get out there and, okay, you're and you dead, leak. Dead, and you, you get out there and you leak. You leak. <laughs> Leak. I had had an old friend who said, you know, yeah, I know I do a prayer meditation and I fill up my bucket and then I leak. Uh And you do. You do. Uh, The ego creeps back in. The, 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 you know, uh, I I have never had a full day in 40 years of sobriety where I remained in total conscious contact with God throughout the whole day. This is all about waking up. This is all about uh, getting more. But, you know, that's the good thing about it. That's why it's exciting. Because uh, it ain't done. I mean, I'm 40 years sober coming up in December. And it's like, uh, I don't feel like I'm just getting started in some ways. Whereas if you're not working a program like this, where conscious contact and, and peeling away the onion of false self, you know, is is really what what you're doing, and actually what God's doing for you, right? And then I get together with people on the uh, on the phone or in person. I don't sponsor people anymore. Uh, what I do, te- I said I'll, I'll teach you how to do quiet time, and then you bring me your writings so that you're doing it yourself. See, which is a real shift from where we've gone in the program. You know, we've made the sponsor into God. Bring me your problems. Well, don't bring me your problems. Bring me what God said to you as, as the answer to your problems. <laughs> Teaching somebody how to fish. That's right. Yeah. And what do you do when they bring them? Do you, like, you go over it with them and help them figure out if, if it matches? I share them? mine with them. I share mine with them. I share mine with them, and they share theirs with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at the end of it, I mean, those people know me and I know them uh, better than uh, anybody. God, in a sense, becomes your therapist. There is within each person, Anna, a wisdom. Jesus got connected to that wisdom. Uh, I think the mystics get connected to that wisdom. 
I think people in recovery can get connected to that wisdom. And what the, what the Oxford Group uh, program taught was you got to have some checks and balances. Is it honest? Is it pure? Is it unselfish? Is it loving? Well, I've seen, and I've seen people pretty new to recovery start in on this thing. I've seen other people who can't get sober, and they start doing this and doing it this way. I had people tell me, you know, well, don't don't get to that 11, 10, 10, 11 step till you, you know, you've done every one of the other steps first. Nonsense. You can't get in there too soon. <laughs> That's right. You can't do the other step. Without doing the you can't do the other steps. And even, even if you go back and look at the big book, it says, you know, God will guide us, you know, in, in the doing of this step. So, I mean, they were doing it right from the start. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, what you're doing is you're tapping into the unconscious. Mm-hmm. You're letting the unconscious become conscious. And that becomes the conscious contact. The dreams, dreams. Uh, I, mean, I write down my dreams. I ask people to do that, and we share those. Um, but Jung used to say this active imagination, and you could make the case that what we're doing in this listening to God is active imagination. You're allowing your imagination to, to go forth. When I first got sober, we're going Unfortunately, our time is up, but this oh, is oh good. Okay. Bill, right. gonna ha- I'm going to have you back. This was wonderful, okay. and uh, thank you so much for sharing about uh, this powerful talk about that creating that intimate relationship with your higher power it's great thank you for the work that you do thank you so much for being my guest today really glad to have you it was a pleasure and i look forward to another conversation we'll have it and thank you all of you for listening and we know you'll have a great week and uh blessings on your adventures with your higher power and we'll see you next week on spirit of recovery Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. is formless yet takes many forms what goes around comes around chant the name of the lord and be free no one comes to the father except through me ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions join reverend paul john roach every tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world.
in quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 